Hey guys and girls secretly listening to this show as well. I know you're out there. This is DSR. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the show we try to keep as practical and action-based as possible because information doesn't help us. It's taking action which makes a difference in our lives. So a little action for you to take, especially if you're new to this podcast, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash get top 13. That's get top 13 and download an audio interview between I and one of my top editors, Jackson Hunter, where we talk about our 15 years of experience. We both got 15 years of experience. Yes, in this area, coaching and so on. And we talk about everything we learn over time and we take the highlights, the the best things, the best people with the best advice that we saw over time, over 15 years. So that will get you completely up to date. And whether you've been listening to this show for a while or you're completely new to it, that's probably a pretty cool update. I think it's around 90 minutes long, if I remember. And I think it was a little bit of fun too between Jackson and I. So it was a bit of a riff also, as you might get some entertainment value out of it also. While I'm on the subject of entertainment, I would like to thank you for another iTunes review. And this one says, good show. It gives me four stars. Why not five? (laughs) He says, I am a married man and the show has helped me improve my relationships. The only issue is with the audio quality. I guess that's where the four stars came from. Okay, so a quick explanation here is I upgraded my audio equipment after a couple of years doing this show. So if you go back to the earlier episodes, some of the audio is nasty. (laughs) I mean, nasty from someone who's been doing this for a while and can now understand it. But obviously, when I first started doing this podcast, I did not have a clue about audio quality, how to do it. I actually hired a sound engineer at one point to review the audio and go through it. And that that was a year or so ago. So it's much better now. I've got a nice nifty big microphone now and it should all sound perfectly clear. So if it ever doesn't, there's obviously a problem. Just reach out to us and we'll fix it. I know that happened with a recent episode and we had to fix it and it was a editing issue. Okay, so today's topic. Today's topic is important, especially given two contexts of today's world. Satisfaction in relationships only comes from win-win relationships where both sides win. The girl and ourselves are winning. However, there is really a lot of advice out there today that is very much focused on man win, women lose. And you may have noticed also that just in the last few years is actually the opposite is happening. There's a lot of advice coming out for women win and men lose, you know, which is sad state of affairs really, because it's not going to improve anyone's satisfaction over the long time. Maybe some short term, but really long term, it doesn't work out. Take it from someone who had to kind of go down his journey and learn for himself about seven years ago. So some of it is effective in the short term for sure, but it's more that in the long term it doesn't work. And the way I like to think about learning about things and improving my life, and I think everyone should take this perspective, is improving your life is like building an asset, right? It's a bit like accounting. You, You can see my management consulting background here, but it works for me. There's two kinds of expenses in companies, broad stroke. There's an investment in an asset, and an asset is a capability, something you're going to have for the future. Or there's expenses. You can spend money on things which will disappear. So they're like consumables. It's like eating food. Uh, It's like smoking. It's like drinking alcoholic drinks, right? Gone. You're never going to see that money again. You put it in training. You put it in learning. Or perhaps you invest it in a house, right? You invest your efforts in something which builds an asset which is going to last. This is exactly the type of perspective which helps you in your dating, sex and relationships. Because if you're taking an expense kind of view, I'm just going to like have a short term 
one night stand here then becomes a bit of a treadmill over time if that's all you're doing. However, if you start also taking this attitude of building assets in your life, building relationships in your life, those things feed back over time and they make your life better. They make you better. They give you more satisfaction. Okay, so this is a very important concept. It's basically about return on in effort into your life. And I encourage you to think a little bit about that. The other thing, and this is more of something that's changing in our, in our world at the moment, is that privacy is disappearing. And this is actually Jeffrey Miller, today's guest, who brought this to my mind more kind of abruptly with some of his examples. We can't be lost in the crowd. Back when I started this 15 years ago, I was in London and some other big cities, and I never thought anyone would recognize me. So theoretically, I could have done anything and I didn't really have to worry about it. I mean, I could do something that was not socially embarrassing and it wouldn't be a big deal for me. I think this world's changing a lot because we have Instagram, we have Twitter, right? And we've seen actually some like implosions lately on Twitter and Facebook and so on. And I think that's only going to get worse because we don't have privacy anymore. Pretty much anything can be put online, photos, rhetoric, stories, and so on. So unfortunately, people are getting outed and bullied online increasingly. I mean, that's not great, but we have to admit that there is this trend going on and our privacy is disappearing. And hopefully, hopefully it will lead some of us to be more authentic. So be more transparent and be more of who we are over time so that whatever does get reflected out there doesn't necessarily become damaging. If we're good people inside and we're doing the things that we believe are right, then hopefully none of this will affect us. So privacy is disappearing in the world and who you are is or what you do in the world is often going to get thrown around a bit more, right? You can't assume that no one's ever going to find out. So today we're going to focus on some practical tips to have relationships that you want, but make them win-win, right? Rather than win-lose in either direction. And this is, of course, in your interest. So today's guest is Jeffrey Miller. This is the second time we've had him on the podcast. Of course, he's a great academic with a great background, uh, very well known. To listen to the first interview, you probably want to do that before you check this one out, if you haven't already. It's episode 67, and that was on the state of evolutionary psychology. So we talk a lot about his background, where he's came from, and also his book. I took out a lot of the key themes, a lot of the things I really enjoyed about the mating mind. And um, we had a great discussion on that. So he has a new book out in the last six months, and this is called Mate Become the Man Women Want. And he also has a two-year podcast show, which was basically pre-work he did before bringing that book out. He did this podcast with Tucker Max, right, his co-author, and also for the book. You may know Tucker Max from I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell and a bit of a womanizer in his, his fame originally. However, basically Tucker Max is twisted around, flipped, and he wanted to work with Jeffrey Miller on bringing a new, more positive perspective on dating, sex, and relationships. Both of them did. They felt this was something important to do right now. So I read this book before I did this interview, and it was a great read with some new perspectives and ideas I hadn't come across before. And I have to say that doesn't happen that often these days. Normally I've seen some slants of it, but there were some great ideas and privacy was one of those. So we'll talk about a bit more of that in this interview. If you want all of the details of this interview in an easy done for you format, so we give you the links to everything mentioned in the show, more information on today's guest, their book, the transcript of the show, so you can follow along, then go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter, pop your email in there and you'll get the show notes, all of that stuff sent to your email inbox every time we put a show out. 
Now let's get into this conversation with Jeffrey Miller. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us again. It's uh, my pleasure, Angel. It's great to have you aboard again. I think it's been about a year uh, since yeah, we last week. Right. Roughly, roughly, roughly. Cool, cool. Well, you've got your new book out, so we wanted to discuss that. And I like some of the angles, which are a bit newer. So uh, we wanted to discuss those. And a lot of it's kind of like around the theme of win-win relationships. Is, is Was that kind of your primordial goal behind this book and why? Because I remember we discussed it a little bit before. Basically, what was your whole premise behind this book and why you felt it had to be put out in the, into the world? When Tucker Max and I first started to discuss the book, we realized there wasn't really a good, solid book of dating advice for young single men that was actually based on evidence and science and a sort of integrated way to think about dating, mating, sex, and women. So we wanted to fill that gap. I mean, there's the pickup artist stuff. There's some great material like, like you've been doing, but a lot of it kind of either focuses on specific issues or it focuses on issues where you don't really know where the people promoting certain ideas actually have any evidence to, to back up what they're saying. And I've worked in human sexuality and evolutionary psychology for 25 years. I've taught human sexuality to hundreds of undergrads. And it seems like it's really quite a big help if you've got a little bit of science to sort of back up what you're saying, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Absolutely. That was really the, the overwhelming reason for us to write Mate in the first place. Yeah. Oh, great, great. We're not fans of misinformation either. <laughs> there's a ton yeah. out there. It's a maze. So... This, I've kind of cherry-picked some of the topics that I felt were more unique uh, that we haven't talked about before on this show. And I wanted to start with honesty because I think a lot of guys struggle, and I know from our coaching, like that they struggle with how to be honest with the women. But the way you, you looked at it from both angles, how to be honest with yourself and others, could you give us a bit of background of what the honesty topic is for you when it comes to dating relationships? Yeah, I think honesty is important in dating at, at several different levels. At a basic biological level, across thousands of species, there's what we call honest courtship, which means males attracting females through displaying signals of their health, their fitness, their capabilities, their intelligence, through the way they behave, through the courtship signals that they give. This could be a frog croaking, it could be a peacock displaying his tail, it could be a lion displaying dominance, anything like that. They're not using language, so they can't exactly lie, but some animals send off signals that aren't reliable, where the female can't actually assess reliably what kind of male they are from their courtship behavior. So the concept of honest courtship is attraction through showing your quality. And the alternatives to that are attracting through deception or manipulation, or simply using sexual coercion or rape. And lots of animals do all those too, but we wanted our book to focus on what the biologists would call honest courtship. So that's one level. Does that make Great. sense? 
It does. So that presupposes that you have to work on yourself. And yeah, it it means you're sending off signals of your traits and your your virtues and your interests and your your mating strategy. And women are trying to to suss that out, pick up on it, and trying to get a read on you. And this is all happening mostly unconsciously. But the idea of honest courtship is that if you actually want to be attractive to women, you need to cultivate the traits that are attractive to women and then signal them effectively. Right. I think a lot of guys think there's shortcuts by faking. There's obviously there's been uh, sayings like fake it till you make it. And I think in some contexts, it's, you know, say it's about confidence that works. You have, you have to like try and act confident sometimes and just do things before you actually be confident yeah. doing them. But in other contexts, it, it doesn't work, obviously. So one of the things that I saw that you brought out, which I think can give light to why honesty might be important to some guys, is that you noted that it, honesty actually builds your social status, so it builds value by actually being honest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, women have a really finely tuned bullshit detector that's been shaped over hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. So the idea that you can kind of deceive and manipulate and fake your way into a date or into sex with a woman, hmm. it will work sometimes with some women if you've got a slightly sociopathic temperament, right? So that you're comfortable with lying and deceiving. But most young guys aren't like that. They don't, they don't feel comfortable being deceptive. And so honesty is really helpful in terms of radiating confidence and authenticity, which is very attractive to women. And it's also really helpful not to lie to yourself during courtship, not, not to lie to yourself about what traits do I really offer to a woman? Mm -hmm. Have I worked hard to build them up? Are my mating goals aligned with what a woman actually wants? If you're really looking for a one-night stand and a woman really isn't, that's a fundamental conflict of interest. And it's really hard to work around without somebody being exploited and disappointed and, and it hurting. It hurts guys' self-image in the long run. They feel shitty about themselves afterwards at some level. Most guys. Unless they're sociopaths, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's only a tiny percent of guys. Right. I mean, maybe in America, it's three or four percent. So if you're in that camp, honestly, we don't really want to help you. Yeah. Right, you know, you're not anyway. writing the book. <laughs> you're not giving yeah. advice to sociopaths. Yeah, um, we, want, we want to help the other 96% of guys who actually fundamentally want to be honest. They're just not confident enough that if, right. if they are, that it'll work. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's that's a very common situation. They are afraid that isn't a good fit with the the girls that they're seeing, and so that's when they get into this honesty area. And often, I see that they're kind of pained about the whole thing. They want to be truthful, but they don't want to hurt the girl. And uh, so, how do you navigate the more difficult situations? I say the most common ones that come up are that a guy wants to date multiple women. He's not ready to settle down, and he has this conflict with being honest with the girl and telling her that that's a situation. Yeah, I mean, women don't expect total openness about everything all at once, right? There's a difference between honesty versus kind of radical honesty. Radical honesty is a concept from Brad Blanton, and it's basically say whatever the fuck you, you think all right. the time to everybody. And that's kind of socially retarded. It just doesn't work. It makes life interesting, but most women read it as this guy's not very socially or emotionally intelligent. So honesty doesn't mean oversharing. It just means whatever you do say is authentic and does represent what you think and feel. 
women know damned well that a lot of guys want short-term mating and they know that guys want sex. Any woman over the age of, of 16 who's got a brain has figured that out. So you don't have to say that all the time. It's sort of taken for granted. Where the honesty really counts is don't lie about what you're actually seeking. If you're looking for short-term mating and you play like you're looking for a girlfriend, that's just toxic to the whole interaction. Can we think about some scenarios here to kind of bring it alive? One of them is where a guy's courting a girl and he really just wants to hook up with her. What kind of signals shouldn't he be getting? What kind of things shouldn't he be doing if he doesn't want to be dishonest? I think a lot of it is is how you talk about these things. You have to express your mating goals in a way that's socially intelligent and socially acceptable. So if you say, I'm just looking to fuck a bunch of women, that might be true at a certain level, but it's a, it's a massive turnoff because you're signaling, I don't understand how women's brains think at all. And I don't understand that that sounds repulsive, sexually and morally repulsive to most right. women. Whereas if you say, hey, I'm just looking to meet a lot of women and have fun and and right. make new friends, and I'm not really ready to settle down into a serious relationship, that conveys all the information you need right. to convey without being kind of douchey about it. Yeah. That sounds very much uh, the way I think of it. It's like discreet. I'd, I'd say the way you just communicated that was a kind of discreet and, and subtle. But as you said, the girl's going to understand what you mean when you say that. You don't have to kind of be all explicit about it. Yeah. Yeah. Women are extremely well attuned to not just sussing out a guy's sort of overall mate value and his, his traits, but also what exactly is he looking for right now in his life in terms of a relationship or a wife or just sexual fun. They're really sensitive to that and you don't have to over explain. Yeah. Cause I guess as guys, we think, <laughs> we think more in kind of an extreme terms in terms of communication, you know, it's kind of binary one or off it's a testosterone influence. It's really, you're kind of saying to the guys at home, put that judgment, the judgment back, you know, the way we normally talk, the way we normally feel about communicating clearly. It's likely if you kind of feel uncomfortable that you've been a bit uncertain, you might be in the right area because you're just uncomfortable with communicating this way at first. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, women um, mature earlier in terms of their verbal intelligence and women on average have higher verbal intelligence, verbal fluency, and more sensitivity to language than guys do. So whatever you think you're saying, a woman's probably able to read a lot more into it than you even realize. And she'll kind of fill in the gaps. It can probably be helpful to practice some of these explanations of what you're after on sort of platonic female friends and, and sort of gauge their reactions and say, hey, if I said this on a date or right. if another guy said it, how would you react? And kind of get some feedback. It's a really important thing to communicate clearly, fairly early when you're dating, not necessarily a first date, but certainly a second or third date. Start making your your mating goals clearer. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Something that you brought up that I want to go back to is you were talking about honesty with yourself. So we've just been talking about being honest with the, the women that we're seeking to hook up with or to date and have relationships with. Honesty with yourself, what's the deal there? I think the deal there is, is number one, at the level of what traits do you offer to women, a lot of guys don't really have a, an accurate sort of calibration of, of what offer and what their traits are. A lot of guys think that they're 
either a lot more physically attractive than they actually are, or that quite often that they're less physically attractive than they are. They might over underestimate their intelligence depending on what their peer group is like. They might think that they need to be a lot richer than, than they really need to be to attract a woman. Or they might delude themselves in thinking that if I'm unemployed, living with my mom, playing Xbox all day, that that'll somehow, that I still deserve a woman. And that's just self-deceptive and delusional. So you got to be honest with yourself about what you, what you really offer to women. That requires understanding what they want. And that's, in a sense, most of the mate book is trying to explain to young guys what women actually want. Second, being honest with yourself about your sexual goals and priorities and ethics and your mating strategies. So if you don't want a serious girlfriend or a wife yet, just acknowledging that, accepting it, and getting over your sexual shame about that. A lot of guys carry around tons of sexual shame and they think it's not legitimate for me to want short-term mating with a bunch of women. Or they're young, their, their peers want yeah. short-term mating, but they actually want a girlfriend. That's also really common. And that's okay too. So just figure out what you actually want and don't pretend that you need to want what all your, your male friends or your, your colleagues or the media uh, is telling you that you should want. Yeah. Well, because part of having confidence is not trying to fit in. It's just being yourself. If, you, if When I think about being confident, it's, can be very simply put that you, you're just you and you're not making any effort to fit into whatever the current media, mediatization of your goals should be or whatever your friends are all doing. Exactly. It's impossible to be yourself if you don't acknowledge to yourself who you are and what you want. And it's impossible to stand out from other guys in an interesting way that attracts female attention if you don't know yourself and you're not confident and you don't own it. That's a very important point because I think guys need motivation to be themselves, you know, to kind of yeah. step up, step out of the pack, the herd and, and be themselves. So they need to hear things like, oh, I'm going to be more unique. I'm going to be more attractive if I do that, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of research showing that being unique, standing out in a good way is hugely attractive to women. Fitting in is kind of a very low risk strategy. You're not quite as likely to be outright rejected by a lot of women, but most women are going to reject you anyway. It's all about finding the small minority of women who really appreciate your traits and have a mating strategy that's aligned with yours. Great. I'm sure some guys at home are thinking, okay, so I've got to figure out what I want. Do you have any practical approaches to doing that? Because I think guys do struggle a lot with trying to figure this stuff out for themselves. And sometimes it can also be like difficult to separate the things we were just talking about, like what the media says, what my friends say from what I want, especially when we're younger and we're more impressionable and we're less certain. We've got less experiences to understand what we really want ourselves. So have you got any practical like um, tips or approaches to figuring that stuff out? Yeah, I think it's really useful to, um, number one, look at your own sexual history. Really think hard about if you've had any dates or any relationships in the past. What worked for you? What did you really enjoy? What did you find exciting? And sometimes it can be really informative to think about not what you liked, but what you disliked. What drove you nuts? What annoyed you? What irritated you? If you found yourself starting to get irritated and not enjoying a woman's company after you dated her for a month or two, 
then you probably shouldn't aim to date women for that long yet. Maybe later in life, you'll enjoy that. But if you just find that you're, you're kind of running out of steam and getting bored in relationships, probably you're more tuned into short-term mating at the moment. On the other hand, if you have one night stands and hookups and afterwards, if you don't contact a woman and nothing comes of it and you feel frustrated or shitty or like that superficial, then you probably want a longer term girlfriend. So just pay attention to how your body feels, how your brain reacts, what you find distressing or annoying or inauthentic, and then do the opposite of that. That's probably the easiest way for a lot of young guys to figure out what they actually want. When you were saying that right there, I thought I was thinking it kind of fits into your longer term goals, right? Because we can have short term needs. We're feeling horny in the club or whatever, but we go home, we sleep with the girl. Maybe we weren't that interested, but we were drunk and more horny than usual. And uh, we feel guilty the next day, right? That's a very typical scenario, I think. And so it sounded to me like you're really thinking about the longer term goals. So if I just look in a year's time and look back, what would I have wanted to do that night? And what, how would I want to lead this year? I mean, you know, so a year isn't, I say year because it's not so far in the future that guys can't relate to it. Is that a fair approach? I think it's important if, if you have a one night stand or hookup and you part ways in the morning and then you feel a little bit guilty, it's really important to separate is that really my authentic guilt as an individual or is that some internalized social norms from the media and society or my parents or religion or whatever? If it's authentic, like if you think, wow, I would really prefer to see that girl again. It's frustrating that I, that I don't or maybe that we slept together too early. Listen to that. But if it's like, oh, I feel really bad because you're not supposed to have, you're not supposed to enjoy sex. Set that aside. That's just your social conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that distinction. So what types of mating goals do you think are okay? Because you know, we're talking about like what's okay to have versus what might not be okay to have in terms of a goal. What, what kind of things do you think are options for today's men? I think anything is okay as long as it's aligned with what the woman wants. And this is where we get into the, the concept of seeking win-win relationships. By relationship, we don't necessarily mean long-term. It could be a relationship that lasts just a few hours. But any interaction with a woman is a relationship at some level. And women certainly view it that way. They might be comfortable with it lasting only a few hours, but it is a relationship. And every woman deserves honesty and respect while that relationship lasts. So anything you want is fine as long as you're honest with yourself about it and you're upfront. So we don't really preach any particular kind of relationship. You can be monogamous, you can be polyamorous, you can be straight or gay or bisexual. You can look for a different woman every night or you can look for lifelong monogamous marriage. Whatever you want is fine as long as you're looking for women who want the same thing. Where you get into trouble is if You've got a covert agenda, a hidden goal, and you're deceiving a woman about it. The cool thing about modern online dating is it's actually pretty easy to find women, whatever your goal, who share the same goals. You just have to sort of know how to find them and know how to talk to them about the goals and sort of be clear about it as much as you can up front. Yeah. When I'm thinking about this, I think that a lot of guys have a scarcity mindset in terms of the number of women they're in contact with. So sometimes yeah. they'll feel like 
yes, I would like to date women who are also cool with like casual sex, but I don't know any where I live, or maybe there's none where I live. What would you say to that? We put a lot of emphasis in in the mate book on moving to places where women's goals are aligned with yours. So it's true. If a guy's in high school living with his parents, there's not a whole lot he can do about his mating market, about what the local women are and what they want. There's still going to be some, no matter what his mating goals are, there's still going to be some he can find who probably are, are more aligned with his goals than he thinks, particularly because there's a lot of slut shaming and a lot of women are not willing to admit to themselves or others or their female friends or men that they're actually just up for short-term mating. So even in the smallest towns in the Midwest or the South, there's still going to be a lot of a lot of girls and women who are willing to do short-term mating. They just want to feel safe, respected, not slut-shamed, and like you're not going to ruin their sexual reputations afterwards. But if you're really into short-term mating, it's extremely powerful just to move to the cities and the neighborhoods and the colleges that are more tuned into that where you have things like an advantageous sex ratio, where there are more liberal sexual attitudes. It can be a real uphill struggle if you're trying to do short-term mating and you're in rural Utah versus New York City. Conversely, it can be a real struggle if you're young and trying to find a wife and you're in Manhattan versus, versus Utah. So I'm, I'm sure the guys at home are thinking, wow, that's a, big, that's a huge deal, like moving because of my dating life. It's a big deal, but... Most guys are willing to move to go to college. Most guys are willing to move for their job. And what's the point of education and work? It's largely to attract women, ultimately. So if you're willing to move for education or work, which just way stations on the way to mating success, you should be willing to move to get into a better mating market. Yeah. Would you say that moving to a place which is more relevant to you, whatever your interest is, one of the kind of biggest levers in your dating life you can pull. Like if you're going to put, you're going to make one decision, the one thing that's going to make it easier and going to introduce less conflict into your life and just make you a happier, more satisfied person when it comes to your dating life. Would that be the lever you would pull on or there would be another one? It's one of the most powerful, easiest things you can possibly do. Think about, for example, a guy going to University of Chicago, which is 53% male, versus going to Sarah Lawrence College on the East Coast, which is, I think, 73% female. So look at that sex ratio. Sarah Lawrence College, three girls for every guy. University of Chicago, one girl for every guy or even less. That has a huge impact on the way that mating and dating and sex work in those two places. If you're into short-term mating, almost every guy who goes to Sarah Lawrence College does extremely well and is in huge demand because there just aren't enough guys to go around. So the women have to compete really intensely to attract male attention. On the other hand, if you go to Chicago or God forbid Caltech, which has even a higher ratio of males to females, it's an absolute uphill battle, not just to get short-term mating, but to get even a a long-term girlfriend. So it can be a huge source of leverage to identify What's a good mating market in terms of, number one, sex ratio, number two, sexual norms and mores and and values and typical mating strategies, and number three, what kind of women you're interested in? Where are they? If you stay in your hometown and you think, ask yourself, would the kind of quality girlfriend I might want have stayed in this town? 
or would she have moved elsewhere? And if so, where? Go there and find her. Yeah, I think most people at home are probably thinking as extreme. So from my own anecdotal experiences, there's a few times in my life where I've been living in a city and I've kind of realized that the types of women I was interested weren't there or yeah. there were just so so few number of them. I'd probably never bump into them or really hard to just find them. And I would actually quit dating until I left there. And normally I'd leave there pretty soon and move on to some some other place. I just found that a lot more efficient rather than wasting my time trying to look for women and getting kind of frustrated because I wasn't happy with the women I was with. Maybe kind of settling, like settling for women that have done that in the past because I've been in a, like a city like that. And then after all, I've decided, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd rather just not date. So moving can be a really uh, important thing. And I, I know a lot of guys have done this. A lot of guys live in capitals now. When I think about most of my friends, they live in capitals, they live in LA, places like this where they know they're going to have a, a dating life that they can be okay with. Last year, I spent some time in Malaga and I had to quit dating because there's not very many people in Malaga and I wasn't, you know, just able to see some, anyone. So, you know, there's a few situations in my life, although it may sound pretty extreme in terms of uprooting your life, I think it is really relevant to a lot of guys. I'm not so sure about like changing colleges because I kind of feel like when I was back as a teenager and I was looking for colleges, I had this whole strategy of my career and I had to get into the right colleges and everything. It's a pretty big deal. I understand it's pretty competitive today. I have, I have different views. I think most people could just go out and like start getting some experience. And if they wanted to become an entrepreneur or something, they could build their own thing. But I think that's like a small minority of people think that way. Most of them should probably go the, the college track, go to the school they need to, to get the job they want. What do you think about that? Because I mean, these guys have to weigh up their dating motivations and goals versus money and other things. Yeah, I think, I mean, Tucker and I strongly recommend that young guys take a gap year before college. So if you're going to college, that's great. But if you take a gap year, you do a bit of travel, do some jobs that build your social skills, some jobs that sound interesting, that, that lead to you know, interesting stories and anecdotes, and then you go to college, you have a big leg up you know, in competing with the other yeah. freshman guys if they've come straight from high school. So don't feel, number one, like you have to go straight from high school to college. Take some time. Get to know yourself. Second, a lot of guys get really fixated on some particular career path that they think they should follow that's typically reflecting like right. what high school classes they loved or what their parents think they should do or, or they had an uncle who succeeded in that and they respect him and want to follow in his footsteps. That's great, but bear in mind that in the 21st century, it's really hard to predict how careers are going to play out, skills you'll need. Things just aren't as stable as they were 30 years ago. So whatever you think you'll end up doing won't be what you end up doing within 10 years. Third, the whole point of money and work and status and prestige for a lot of guys is mostly to attract women, ultimately. This is what my earlier book, Spent, was all about, is that guys kind of deceive themselves into thinking that I'm chasing the lifestyle, I'm chasing the money, that's going to be great in its own right. But actually, it can be more effective just to go straight for what mating strategies actually work and don't necessarily worry that much, especially when you're young, about what jobs or careers you're going to follow. Even if you know, okay, I definitely want to become a doctor and I definitely want to go pre-med, when you're choosing a college, look really carefully at what is the sex ratio, 
what are the typical kinds of sexual relationships people have there? How does dating work? And what's, what's the surrounding mating market like, right? If you go to Oberlin College in the middle of rural Ohio, you can't date anybody except Oberlin girls. Whereas if you go to Columbia University in New York, like I did, you can date any woman in New York. So also pay attention to the surrounding mating market. Right. That's an excellent point. That actually served me well when I was at business school and so on. Also, I didn't date anyone from my actual class because I didn't feel like they were the types I was into, but I was in London. So it didn't really yeah. matter. So if you're yeah. in a big city like that, you're saying like next to New York, it, it really doesn't make a difference. One of the things you say in your book is that bars and clubs suck. Yeah, gonna, bars and clubs <laughs> I'm, I'm betting that 50% or more of the guys listening to this go to bars and clubs looking for women. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, that's where the women are. So it's quite natural to go there, but that's also where the other men are. And the environment, it's great for people like Tucker Max, for people who are extremely confident, extroverted, loud, can hold their liquor and are comfortable making new friends and talking to people and being the center of attention. Bars and clubs can work really well for that 5% of guys. Okay. And that 5% already know that. But if you find yourself going to bars and clubs and not being comfortable and thinking, this is noisy, I can't even talk to women, I don't like buying $15 cocktails, I go home alone and depressed most of the time, then that's a bad place for you to meet women. And in the mate book, we mention a lot of other options that are way better. We actually think using online dating should be nowadays the main way that, that guys should meet women. It's so efficient. It's so easy to find women who are a good match in terms of their mating goals and their traits. You can take advantage of numbers. You can screen women in terms of messaging them back and forth before you even set up a date and waste time on a date with a woman who's not suitable. So online dating is great. Joining clubs that have both men and women, doing volunteer work. There's dozens of options we list in the book that we think are more reliable. The problem is they require advanced planning. You know, you've got to think, okay, this weekend I'm going to go volunteer at the no-kill pet shelter and there will be lots of women there. But most guys don't have the patience for that. They're like, I want to get laid now. Where do I right. go now? Where are the women? Oh, yeah. they're in a bar. And then they go there, waste their time, go home alone, and it doesn't, doesn't work anyway. And then they fail to plan their weekend. So that kind of short-term thinking is usually counterproductive. Yeah. As in most of these situations, short-term thinking is, is normally the thing that's getting you. The, all the social things, all, all the social things we get involved in, you know, you talk about volunteering and there's loads of other things where you can meet women. As you're saying, they require investment of effort, right? You have to decide you're going to partake in something. It's going to kind of become a constant stream of activity in your life. So there's kind of some commitment there. And I guess people also feel like, like, oh, I don't want to commit to anything. I just kind of want to do my thing. Or what I normally say is like, they should take an interest that they have and try and add a social dimension. So whatever they're passionate about, even if they think it's really geeky, normally you can add some kind of social dimension to it. Yeah, exactly. We talk about making your mating life an extension of your social life. Yeah. And one step backwards, make your social life an extension of your passions and interests. There are certain interests that are hard to parlay into, <laughs> into a social life that involves women. So if you're really passionate about chess, that's great. Chess is an awesome game. Join a chess club. You'll make lots of male friends. There'll be chess geeks, but that's okay. 
You will not meet many women at a chess club, however. But if you're into games like that, you could think, okay, what's another kind of game or strategic interaction or something like that that's kind of similar, but that might have a higher proportion of women? Or what's another apparently geeky interest of mine that I can pursue that actually has a lot of women? So go to a cosplay convention. There's a lot of hot women interesting eccentric women at those things and the guys who go there and have their have their shit together and are reasonably attractive and confident can do very well the cosplay scene is it primarily women like is there a big bias towards women? i haven't seen a lot of cosplay like i've just seen it from the edges i've only been to a few of those when i used to take my teenage daughter to uh to oh. those things and she would get all dressed up it seemed about half and half to me mm. and it also seemed like a lot of the women there were not necessarily looking for monogamous boyfriends. A lot of them might have been polyamorous or kinky or sexually unusual in other ways. So if you're into that, it can be a, a great way to meet women. Yeah, great. So coming back to kind of like the honesty thing, but also ethically, because I think some guys are concerned they want to do the right thing. It's kind of about how do they decide when it's the right thing? You know, they've got all these different scenarios and situations that they're subjected to. I guess they'll always feel like they need advice. Okay, what's the right thing to do here? What's the wrong thing to do here? Have you got some approaches to figuring that out for themselves? Yeah, in the book, we've got these little sort of ethical tests that you can sort of run in your own mind to figure out, if I do this, is it ethical and honest? And will, will I still feel good about it afterwards? Things like, okay, if a guy did this to my sister, how would I feel about it? Would I think, yeah, he's a cool guy, That's that's fine? Or would you want to go smash his head in with a rock so <laughs> you got to sort of take do that perspective taking and think yeah if another guy did this to a woman i care about would i be happy with it if i did it now will i be happy and proud of that moment in a year that's another good test increasingly women will be able to record male behavior with things like google glass and other <laughs> you know methods heard you talking about this <laughs> and, and it's terrifying but that's another useful guide is if a woman recorded this and posted it on youtube and it got 10 million views what kind of feedback would i get would most people go yeah he's a cool honest guy he expressed himself straightforwardly maybe even if the uh, the interaction didn't work out no harm no foul Whereas if a guy knows, oh my God, everybody I know would think I'm a total creep if they saw me doing this. You should pay attention to that. That's, that's an ethical red flag. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not in all. What I see is like on the internet, there's often a whole bunch of haters no matter what you do, right? Yeah, um, that's, that's if, true. If, if you look at the videos on YouTube, half are haters, half are, half are lovers of, of any, pretty much any content. And a lot of the time you got as many likes as dislikes. Sometimes that can be a little bit uh, difficult. Actually, like, you know, as I'm talking through of it, if there's half and half, it's probably okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's also worth paying attention to, if I'm worried about a particular behavior with a woman, like, should I disclose that I've got an STD, right? That's a big issue for a lot of guys. Yeah. They've got something, when do they tell a woman or do they just kind of wear a condom and hope for the best? That kind of thing, it is really tricky. But, you can sort of pay attention to how can I separate my own shame and guilt about this condition from like what a woman actually knows to give informed consent to whatever, whatever we want to do together. Often guys have a lot of religious programming 
it gives them a sort of thick blanket of sexual shame about everything they do outside monogamous marriage. It's important to kind of set that stuff aside and go, if religion had never existed, but ethics still did, would this, would this be ethical? Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, the STD scenario is, um, is, is a really great one and the religion one for that matter. They're, they're, they're some of the trickiest ones I can think of. From knowing people with the STD thing, actually relatively common. I've known people who, I think in a, in a first stage of realizing they have an STD, they'll maybe go the condom route you suggested as a first level of trying to get used to it. And then as they do that, and maybe they get involved with people they care about and so on, they start to feel really bad about it, right? And so yeah. the, the shame starts to kick in and so on. And then they start to like think, okay, how am I going to approach this? And can I bring out this up with the girl? From knowing friends that have had this problem and they, and they tell me about now, now they bring up with the girl before they have sex each time. It's really surprising. I mean, the guys listening will be really surprised at how often the girls are not going to run away and get all scared about it um, and have a mature conversation about it. There's a lot of uh, what we psychologists call pluralistic ignorance, where everybody thinks that everybody else is going to behave totally differently, and they also underestimate the prevalence of, of STDs. You know, in modern America, among young people, about 90% have oral herpes, and about 30% have genital herpes. And everybody thinks those percentages are way lower than they right. actually are, because everybody's so terrified of, of discussing this. So I think there's there's almost like an ethical imperative to for everybody just to calm down and try to be upfront about this stuff, not just for your own sake and for the woman's sake, but to kind of help recalibrate the whole society. This is not the end of the world if you have one yeah. of these things. Yeah, and also this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier on about being honest with yourself, basically looking at reality for what it is, you know, your weaknesses, your your yeah. strengths. And I think a lot of people are kind of avoiding their weaknesses and that ends up hurting them in the long run because they won't look at it and they won't they won't deal with it. You know, an STD problem like this could could be a good example of that. Yeah, you got to acknowledge your weaknesses to fix them. And having an STD is it's a negative mark compared to not having it, obviously. But the way to deal with it is to develop strategies for talking about it and and divulging it and coping with it and minimizing risk rather than just hiding and feeling ashamed and i just add to that we had um, dave pounder an ex-porn star and director and he got involved a lot in the sexual education in the porn industry and based on what he's seen and what he's researched and so on pretty much every porn star has an sd has herpes and, and so on if you give them the blood tests and and so on that's a bit of injection of reality there yeah. especially if you watch porn everyone you everyone you're watching has a genital herpes probably and uh, but you know a lot of them they never get the symptoms of it so they wouldn't even know themselves Okay, yeah. well, Jeff, thanks a lot for your time today. I'm going to leave you with the uh, same question we left you last time, which is the, what would you recommend to guys if they want to get as good at this as possible, as quick as possible? What would be your top three recommendations to get kickstarted in the right direction? Well, obviously read our mate book. There's a great book recently called Datonomics. I'm blanking on the author, but it's all about the role of sex ratio in dating uh, particularly for college-educated singles and at college. And it kind of expands upon some of the points we made about mating markets and the importance of selecting where to find mates. So Datanomics, the book, um, I'd recommend. And then there's a great book called Why Women Have Sex, 
by Cindy Meston and David Buss. Um, I've used it in several of my human sexuality classes. And it's a really good way to kind of get inside the heads of women and understand what they're really looking for in men and what the reasons are for women to have particularly short-term sex. So uh, Mate, Datanomics, and Why Women Have Sex are three books I'd recommend. Yeah, and great. And that last one, you know, I know that book also. And I think that's a great reality reset that I always recommend as well to guys who haven't got these, uh, this idea about women can like casual sex. I think that's a great book uh, to read to get more normalized and see reality for what it is. Well, Jeff, Absolutely. thank you so much for joining us again. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Angel. Take care. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.